It's 835, Jeff Wagner, 620 WTMJ. We are broadcasting live from the Wisconsin State Fair. We have a very eclectic and fast-paced show today. Lots of stuff I want to discuss with you. We start off, though, with today's program like we start off every program. Three big things. Big story number one, and I put this under the umbrella of I do not understand why people tolerate this. All right, I saw this story reported on Channel 12 the other night. Um, here's here's apparently what happened, and there's no issue that this is exactly what ended up happening. Um, family. Woman says, lives on Milwaukee's north side. Um, about 9.25 on, 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 about 9.25 on Tuesday night. She says um, what happens is she hears a bunch of sounds like she thinks are firecrackers going off or something like that. But it's, it's not firecrackers. Um, what she hears is these noises. Then all of a sudden her son screams, everybody take cover. She lives near North 65th Street and West Carmen Avenue. Apparently um, these, aren't, these aren't firecrackers going off. These are the sound of gunshots, gunshots being fired at this woman's house, or gunshots being fired in general, and several of them hitting her house. Um, Some of the bullets go through the wall of her living room. A bullet goes through the bathroom window. A bed was struck. She says, a bullet hit my daughter-in-law's headboard. She and my newborn grandchild were always sitting on the bed. They could have got shot. It's by the grace of God that they weren't. So, all right, everybody's ducking in cover, bullets flying into this house. So it's 9.25 on Tuesday night. She does what everybody, I think, would do under those circumstances. She takes the phone. She calls 911. She says, hey, bullets flying into my house. Come help. And she calls 911, and she waits, and she waits. And she waits. And so then she calls 911 again. And she says, hey, I, I just called a while ago. There's bullets flying into the house, hitting the headboard of the bed, windows being busted. I mean, there's bullets coming into the house. Help me out. And then she waits. And then she waits. And then she waits. And apparently she calls 911 again and makes this report. At which point in time they tell her, well, call the district station. She calls the district station. Long story. Emphasize long story short. It is over, according to her, over four hours before the police send somebody. Apparently, what she, um, what the police tell Channel 12 is that they were busy on Tuesday night, and officers were sent to other emergencies and crimes in progress after they received information. Apparently, they said, all right, bullets are flying through your house. Um, is, is anybody shot? Is anybody injured? No, no, nobody's injured. Okay, uh, no injuries. Um, is there anybody, are there any suspects? Do you know who did it? And they say, well, no, we were just in the house. All these bullets start flying through the house. They say, okay, no injuries, no suspects. Apparently, this is not a priority, and so it is over four hours before a police officer goes to investigate. Um, the statement from the police is, during the time this happened, there was a large call volume in District 4. Officers were dispatched to the scene as soon as possible we continue to investigate a motive as soon as possible apparently means over four hours all right 414-799-1620 that is the acunet mortgage talk and text line now i i understand that on the mean streets of milwaukee there is a lot of crime that goes on and i understand that the police force thank you tom barrett is grossly undermanned 
So, you know, I guess you can point fingers and try to decide who's responsible. But I, I admit, I'm watching this story just incredulous that you could, I'm trying to picture a situation where, all right, all of a sudden your home becomes a shooting gallery. Bullets flying into your home, hitting the headboards of beds, breaking windows, and you call the police, and you are essentially told, because nobody is killed, you are not a priority. We'll get to you when we get to you. Here, you know, and then four hours later, somebody shows up. 414-799-1620. That's the Accurate Mortgage Talk and Text Line. This really isn't an indictment of the police, but it is an indictment of a system that crime is so out of control I don't know about you, but I think it is absolutely unacceptable that anybody should have their home turned into a shooting gallery and then be told, well, since nobody's dead, here, we'll get to it when we get to it, and then four-plus hours later, somebody shows up. 414-799-1620. All right, the only word I could use to describe this is, is outrageous, and I guess I start at the top. If, in fact, crime is so out of control in the city of Milwaukee, that you don't have enough cops to deal with a home that is shot up and it's not a priority, right? that tells you how badly mismanaged the Milwaukee Police Department is. And I think maybe you lay that on the feet of the mayor. You certainly lay it on the feet of the police chief. But I think that is called, all right, I just think it's unacceptable. And the truth of the matter is, for most people, if you lived in the, where you probably live, if you live outside of the city of Milwaukee, you and you called your local police department saying, hey, my home has just been shot up, and you had to wait four hours for somebody to come out and investigate, I, I just don't think people would put up with it. But yet, apparently we do in the city of Milwaukee. All right, 414-799-1620, big story number one. According to Channel 12, woman waits over four hours for response after her home is shot up, and the police response is, well, we, we were busy. All right, 414-799-1620, that's Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. We are back to discuss next. If you're on the line, please hold on. It's 841. This is Jeff Wagner, 620 WTMJ. It's 844, Jeff Wagner, 620 WTMJ. I confess, when I first saw this story, it was on Channel 12, I said there, there has to be something more to it. This cannot be what happened. But apparently it is. woman who lives on the northwest side, Tuesday night, around 9.30, she hears what she thinks are firecrackers. Well, it's not firecrackers. It's a hail of bullets, some of which end up flying through her home, breaks a window. One goes and hits a headboard um, on the, in the bedroom where her granddaughter, I think, and her granddaughter sleeps. Um, the, her son is yelling, everybody get down, take cover. All right, so bullets flying. Don't know if they were shot at the house or doesn't know if this was, they don't know if this was a gun battle where the bullets might have been stray bullets. So she does what anybody would do. She calls 911. Hey, my, my house, there's just been bullets flying through the house. Come, come help. And she waits and she waits and nobody shows up. And then she calls again. And then she calls again. And then they tell her, well, call the district police station. And bottom line is, it's over four hours before anybody comes to investigate this woman's house being shot up. And the way the Milwaukee Police Department explains it is, well, we were really busy, and once we determined that nobody was dead, once we determined there's no injuries, you know, it, it apparently didn't become a priority. 414-799-1620. Let's start with Mike in Milwaukee. Mike, you're first. Good morning. Uh, the word I would use to describe this is frightening. If you, if our city is that bad, 
that the police can't respond to a drive-by at your house. Um, <laughs> in four hours. Because, because they have other more serious crimes going on <laughs> in the city. Uh, I, just, I think that's frightening for every, every citizen in this community. And the other thing is, you know, they, they railed on Sheriff Clark when he said, he had those promos where he said, get a gun, yep. protect yourself, because we, we might not be able to get there. Four hours later, they respond. They have no idea whether there's somebody out there because they didn't respond, and yeah. they don't know whether anyone else is injured. Let's say they shot up your house, but who knows where the other bullets went? Maybe they killed your neighbor. Who knows? Right, or- Right, or or your chance, they say, say, okay, there's no suspects. Well, okay, if you wait four hours after the shooting, your chances of catching the suspects become slim to none. I mean, and, and again, look, I understand, I understand apparently they're busy, but you make an outstanding point. If if the crime is so out of control in this police district that uh, the bullets flying through somebody's house almost hitting people where they sleep is not significant enough to generate a response. What the hell else is going on on the street that is? It's crazy out there. It's frightening. Now, thanks to call, Mike. I appreciate it. 414-799-1620. Um, let's see. Um, our, our text line just exploded. I'm a police officer that works in the area. This seems outrageous to me. I understand high call volumes and the need to prioritize calls for service, but this should take precedence. Talk about a poorly managed organization. Um, and again, I want to be clear here. This is not necessary. I'm not faulting the, the street cops that are out there. I'm, I'm sure I'm not arguing, and I'm from. I don't have any evidence suggesting that people were like blowing this off. But this was a policy decision, which tells me number one, there's way too few police officers on the street. If somebody has to wait four plus hours after reporting that her home has been turned into a shooting gallery, there's way too poli- few police officers out on the street or the ones that are on the street are being grossly, you know, mismanaged. I mean, seriously, can't you bring officers from other districts? I mean, if a, and again, I don't know if this was a drive-by shooting or if this was, again, a gun battle outside this woman's house with stray bullets going through. I have no idea what happened. But I don't think anybody knows what happened because it took them four-plus hours to show up. 414-799-1620. Let's talk to Earl in Germantown. Earl, good morning. You're at 620 WTMJ. Good morning to you. I what do you think? Grew up in that neighborhood, and I know those streets quite well. There's a police station six blocks away. There's a police station on yeah. 69th and Silver Spring. Yep. So why they couldn't give it? If somebody had to leave their desk and lock the front door, they could walk over well, now, in, in defa- I mean, I mean, the police would say, "Well, look, we we determined that nobody was hurt, so you know, no, we knew nobody was hurt, um, and there wasn't, and apparently, wasn't an active shooting anymore. Whoever shot w- was gone. Why, why rush? I mean, maybe that's what the police are thinking. Why, why rush? It's not a priority because nobody's dead. They don't know if somebody is still there or coming back." Or, you know, there was a lull in the gun battle, probably reloaded. You know, don't know any of that. You have to, have to get there to find out. Right. Yeah, right. It, 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 exactly. No, no, thanks for the call. I, I appreciate it. I mean, I, I just, it, look, if this was a 15-minute wait, okay, I would understand. If this was a 30-minute wait, all right, I, I guess... I, I, it wouldn't be acceptable, but one of the things that's just so amazing to me is, it, unfortunately, if you live in the city of Milwaukee, this is 
this is what you get. My guess is, let me see a show of hands. You know, in the particular community you live in, if you live outside the city of Milwaukee, if you live in Whitefish Bay or Fox Point, or you live in Richfield, or you live in Mequon or Thienesville, and you called the cops and said, my God, my, my house, it's bullets flying through the, the house. Um, you know, people are ducking and covering, and you, and if the police weren't there in 10 minutes, you would be absolutely outraged. You would expect better. But unfortunately, in the city of Milwaukee, this is what people have become conditioned to inspect. You know, Christopher Tex, didn't Sheriff Clark call this out in a radio ad a few years ago? Yes. And remember the outrage. He ran those different ads saying, the truth is, you have to be prepared to protect yourself, because 911, calling 911, that's not necessarily going to do it. If anybody thought that there was anything wrong with those ads, this is the classic example. Now, I understand this is not was not apparently an active shooting situation. Um, the, the bullets were fired. She calls the police, and, and nobody comes. So it wasn't like there was somebody trying to break into the house. But still, four hours after a drive-by shooting, and again, what could have been going on in the city that was so out of control that it was more important. Let's talk to Jim in West Bend. Jim, you're on 620 WTMJ. Good morning. Sure, take my call. Yeah, I sure. grew up in the 4th District, and, and it's not just outrageous, it's disgusting. You know, like your last caller said, the police station is six blocks away. And District 4, when I, growing up, and I just moved out of there 10 years ago to come to West Bend to get out of that area. My mom still lives there. And... District 4 was always known as a joke. All the retirees and the screw-ups went to District 4. I knew a lot of cops. I grew up working in a restaurant that's not there anymore, but they'd come in and they were disgusted with what was going on. And just the, the garbage that's going on, my mom had a stray bullet come through a window, call the cops, and they told her, well, if, if you get the bullet out when you have your window, window replaced, call us, and we'll come and check it out. You know, they came two days later when I went and got the bullet out for her. It was still stuck between the pains. And they're like, well, we'll see what we can do, and we'll let you know. And that's been two years now. Yeah. Well, of course, and, and, and of course, you know whoever shot at that house. You know that the person's out shooting at other people's houses as well. Hey, thanks for the call. I, I appreciate exactly. it. I mean, th- thanks for the call, Jim. I mean, this is one of the frustrating things that's out there. And, again, I, I, I'm not complaining about the police officers on the street. That is not the point of this segment because I have no doubt that they are running around doing other things, uh, including other important things. I, I get it, and I also understand that you have to do triage. You have to prioritize. But, I mean, really, is crime in Tom Barrett's city, Trolley Tom, where we're spending all this money tearing up the streets downtown to build a trolley that nobody is going to ride, at the same time you have people who live in the city who pay taxes, who are scrambling, who are ducking, who have... I mean, you read this account, the woman's talking about bullets flying through the wall of her home uh, into the living room, through a bathroom window, a bed was struck, bullet hits my daughter-in-law's headboard, she and my newborn grandchild um, are always sitting on that bed, they could have gotten shot, it's by the grace of God they're not dead, and this is not even a priority, apparently, in the city of Milwaukee. So you wonder why we have car thefts. You wonder why we have carjackings. You wonder why that there are people, and again, why you should care if you don't live in the city of Milwaukee, is the crime problem in Milwaukee is spreading throughout the area. But you wonder why, you know, we have this going on, again, because crime is so apparently out of control that four-plus hours to respond to bullets flying through somebody's house. Jeff on the south side. Jeff, you're on 620 WTMJ. Good morning. Hey, good morning, Jeff. Hey, 
you know, the mayor and the police chief are always preaching that they need community involvement and they need the community's help. And right. this is a classic number one example of why we as a community do not get involved anymore because we cannot rely on the police to respond promptly. You know, why would we, why should we stick our, stick our sticks up if we're not going to have, you know, yeah. uh, somebody to back us up? Well, that, I mean, right. I mean, so here, right here, you have this lady. That's an interesting point. Here, you have this lady who's doing the right thing. Gosh, bullets flying through my house. You call nine one one, and essentially, you are told you are not a priority. That that's essentially what happened because they don't have enough officers on the street. And even though that might be legitimate, and you know, even though it might be true that the police had more, I don't know how many homicides or shootings that they had that they were also investigating in that area. But if you're really reached a point where the community is so out of control that it takes four plus hours and multiple calls to 911 and a local police district to report the fact that your house has been shot up. Well, I mean, maybe it's time to move, huh? And the majority of people in that neighborhood probably didn't call the police for that reason. They have lack of confidence that there's going to be a response. So why should they get involved? Yeah. Hey, thanks for the call. I appreciate it. Um, all right. I have an interesting note here from a text from Bell. She says, many people live where they do because they cannot afford areas with higher rent. All right. I... I, I accept that, but that's why it is so unacceptable, right? Because if you, if you could get out of that area, obviously you would get out of that area. So, but that's why it is just so unacceptable. You live in these areas, you expect that there's going to be some degree of police response. And again, I, don't, I, I'm, I back the rank and file police officers. I'm sure they were busy. But how do you get into a state where there's not, into a situation where there's not enough cops to respond to a situation like this in four hours? And you just say, well, okay, uh, as, long as, as long as nobody was shot, nobody was killed, nobody needs medical attention, we'll get to it when we get to it, um, and just, if it happens again, just duck and cover. That's unacceptable. Why do people put up with this? 856, Jeff Wagner, 620 WTMJ. This is Jeff Wagner. The Packers football returns tonight. Green Bay takes on Philadelphia in the preseason opener for both squads. Our coverage from Lambeau begins at 5 o'clock here on WTMJ. That means you can catch the finale of the Brewers Twin Series on our sister station, 94.5 KTI Country, beginning at 635, sponsored by Catholic Financial Life. Let me just leave this half hour in this segment with one other thought. If that was the mayor's house or the police chief's house, and all of a sudden, shots ring out, bullets flying through Tom Barrett's house, bullets flying through Ed Flynn's house. And the mayor's wife, or the mayor, called, called 911 and said, hey, I just, all these bullets have been flying through the house. Do you think he would have had to wait four-plus hours for a response because they were busy? Just ask it. It's 9.09. This is Jeff Wagner, 620 WTMJ. The heavens have just opened up here at our State Fair broadcast facility, um, raining relatively hard. Interesting. Some people like running for cover, watching a gentleman who's just walking slowly in the rain. Sky glider's still running. Nobody on the sky glider right at this moment. Uh, apparently, it's going to be you know off and on showers and things like that. Nothing severe. Come on out. Enjoy the State Fair. I know I certainly do. We're right in the middle of our three big things segment. Before we, we get to big thing number two, um, we're going to be talking about this later on in this hour or maybe at the start of the 10 o'clock hour. Walmart finds itself involved in a controversy because of a display that somebody put up at one of the local Walmart stores. Um, 
I have a picture of this. We're going to be talking about this, but if you would like to see the picture and get a head start on that story before we discuss it a little bit later on this morning, if you simply text the word Walmart, W-A-L-M-A-R-T, no dashes, just Walmart, to 414-799-1620, just text the word Walmart, we'll send you the picture that I'm going to be talking about and a link to the story. So just send us the word Walmart, and we will text text us the word Walmart, and we'll send you um, that link link, and um, again, I'll, I'll be describing it when we get around to talking about it, but if you want to see it, that's one of the beauties of what we can do with our text line. All right, big story, big thing number two, uh, U.S.-North Korea relations continue to be a matter of controversy. For the last several years, North Korea, which is run by this crazy tin pot dictator named Kim Jong-un, has been agitating the West in general and the United States in particular. Um, North Korea is, to describe it as a third world country would be to insult third world countries. I mean, seriously, think think the Flintstones, with the exception of the fact that Kim Jong-un has been committed to trying to develop North Korea as a nuclear power. And so for the last several years, he has been conducting ballistic missile tests, trying to figure out how to send missiles to threaten the world. In general, these missiles have failed. I mean, they fizzled. Uh, Lots of them don't get off the launching pad. Lots of them just crash very quickly. But but, um, apparently they are starting to develop the technology now faster than anybody thought. In addition, it is believed that Kim Jong-un has um, access to small nuclear warheads, which theoretically you could put on these ballistic missiles. You could attach and then send them off. Um, Nobody knows for sure whether he has that capability now, but a lot of the experts are concerned that he is getting close to that. And, of course, if this madman would have access to that sort of thing, he could menace the entire world. Theoretically, some of the missiles that they have sent off, depending on the arch, arc that they take, could even get to the west coast of the United States. So he's been threatening the United States and a lot of this saber-rattling. We have for the last, oh gosh, I don't know, 10, 15 years, tried to just sort of ignore the threat, You know, work through diplomatic channels, um, the idea is, well, let's not do anything to provoke this guy. You know, maybe, you know, cooler heads will prevail, all these different types of things. Well, all right, we're working on that. And last week, the U.N. Security Council, with the blessing of Russia and China, and that's very important because China really is the country that props up North Korea. I mean, China is North Korea's principal trading partner, and if China decides to for example, follow UN sanctions and impose US sanctions that were UN sanctions that were agreed to last week, that would that would decimate about one third of the economy of North Korea. So you you've got this, you know, the economic pressure that's being put on him to try to abandon the ability to develop, you know, nuclear weapons and to menace the free world. Right, you've got that going on. But he continues to do that. And every time they impose sanctions, he gets more bellicose in his rhetoric. So over the weekend, President Trump said, essentially, enough is enough. And one of the things that he, he said was that, you know, if, you know, the United States is not going to be threatened. And if this continues, 
you know, these threats, any threat to our safety, is going to be met with fire and fury like the world has never seen. Well, now there's all this this hand wringing. You have Democrats that are complaining that this is that this whole idea of fire and fury it's it's just reckless and um, it's got the potential to further inflame the situation. And all you're going to do is you're going to make this guy even angrier. And, and how dare how dare President Trump say some of these things? He's not helping the situation with bombastic comments. Um, that's what uh, Diane Feinstein says. Another guy in the House, Sten- uh, Steny Hoyer, says, President Trump's threat against North Korea is reckless and shows a serious lack of judgment. Huh. 414-799-1620. That is the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. I don't think this shows a lack of judgment at all. I don't think it is reckless at all. Now, it is very clear that nobody has talked to this tin pot dictator like that before. But the idea of appeasement, the idea of, here, we're just going to hope that the better angels of his nature appear, that's not working. Now, I think, obviously, I'm not calling for military strikes on North Korea at this point in time, but the reality is, I think having a president who says, hey, we're going to draw a line, and, you know, if you cross it, there's going to be huge consequences. I don't think that there's anything wrong with that. I mean, seriously, you have this guy who's being provocative. You have this guy who has decided that this is how he keeps power and this is what he wants to do. So President Trump responding in kind, that's reckless. Seriously? 414-799-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. I don't think it's reckless at all. I think it needs to be said. All right, we discuss next. If you're on the line, please hold on. It's 916. This is Jeff Wagner, 620 WTMJ. It's 918, Jeff Wagner, 620 WTMJ, broadcasting live from the Wisconsin State Fair. Law enforcement experts are voicing concern that citizens are making it too easy for burglars when it comes to auto thefts and home invasions. What, what is it that police are, have, are worried about? Find out during Scafidi and Bill's at 1235 this afternoon as they broadcast live from the Wisconsin State Fair, sponsored by Global Healthcare. Okay, 414-799-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Uh, President Trump being criticized in some circles for saying that if North Korea doesn't get on board and continues trying to develop nuclear weapons and threatening the United States, um, the response will be met with fire and fury like the world has never seen. Some people are upset with that. Let's start with Wayne in Milwaukee. Wayne, good morning. Yes, hi. Uh, hi. I think it sounds like two children, two grade school kids fighting. It's absolutely ridiculous. And uh, Donald Trump knows nothing about how to fight a war or even to win a war. We've been fighting Korea for how long? Korea beat our pants back in the 50s. Vietnam beat us in the 70s. You know, who do we think we are? I mean, we better start learning how to negotiate so we can create world peace instead of creating world stupidity. So you you think we should be you think we should be negotiating? You think okay? All right. Thanks for call, Wayne. Sorry. I, <laughs> you think we should be negotiating? with this crazy dictator in North Korea who is uh, as ostracized by the entire world. Huh. 414-799-1620. That is the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Okay, we have been trying diplomacy for years and years. 
That has gotten us nowhere. Now you have North Korea that apparently is close to the ability to put nuclear weapons on the tips of missiles and then possibly make good on repeated threats to attack the U.S. City, cities. And your concern is that, that, gee, Donald Trump doesn't know how to fight a war. We need to negotiate. Well, what are you going to negotiate? The guy is a madman. Now, look, I'm not calling for preemptive missile strikes at this point in time. I, I'm not. And, and hopefully... China will now finally get on board because if China, which is, the, like I say, the major trading partner of North uh, Korea, decides to cut them off and follow these U.N. sanctions, that might lead to regime change or it may, might get the guy to back down. It might be. But I think he's nuts. I mean, I think he's nuts. And this idea that, well, we've got to negotiate. Well, you can't negotiate with crazy people. Do you want to allow them to have nuclear capability? Do you want to allow them to get in a position where you get a wild hair up a certain part of your anatomy, and next thing you know, you're sending ballistic missiles with um, nuclear warheads at Guam or launching them at the West Coast? story today is it would, apparently they estimate it would take 14 minutes from the time a missile is launched till the time it gets to, it would hit Guam. I mean, seriously? I mean, do you want to expose that? Now, one of the reasons why this might not happen is even though this dictator in North Korea is crazy, I think he has to recognize that if you, you know, do something that is going to provoke a military response from the U.S., um, it, it, the U.S. is going to win, and it's going to win quickly. But I mean, the, the concern is Donald Trump saying, "Hey, if you don't if you don't knock this off, you know, we're going to respond with force." That's that's the problem. Four one four seven nine nine one six twenty. Let's talk to Glenn in Muskegon, Michigan. Glenn, you're on six twenty WTMJ. Good morning. Hi, Jeff. Good to talk to you. Hi, um, I'm not really understanding some of my liberal friends or the last caller you said and. Uh, I, you, you probably, I'm, I'm sure, are going to disagree with me, but I think it may be a good time to take military action against him now because he's already made threats against Guam and yep. and, and against us. So, yeah, um, no, but thank, thanks for calling. I mean, I, I mean, again, I don't. I, I think a lot of this is saber rattling, and I, I just, I, I still, I mean, I wonder what the guy's capabilities are. But you know, seriously, if you have. You got it. When you when you talk about North Korea, you are talking about one of the two or three countries, and I put that in quotation marks. You know, it remaining in the world that really poses a threat to world security because you have unstable leadership who is saying these things. And again, my, my, it's interesting to me that some people, the concern is less about the fact that North Korea is apparently close to developing the capability to menace the United States with nuclear weapons than they are with the fact that Donald Trump says, if you don't knock this off, you know, you're... We're going to meet this with fire and fury. They're more concerned about Trump's remarks, this is the anti-Trump derangement syndrome, than they are with the fact that this crazy guy is getting access to nuclear weapons, perhaps. 414-799-1620. Keith in Waukesha. Keith, you're on 620 WTMJ. Good morning. Morning. I just wonder, with all these liberal colleges and high school teachers and everything, don't they ever teach history in high school? History tends to repeat itself. You let a lunatic go, it only comes back to get you in the end. I mean, look at look at history. It's, it's a proven fact that these guys are will just keep on pushing, 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 and now that they got nuclear weapons, the last three administrations just passed this ball to Trump, and he's got to do something to stop it. 
Well, well right. We, well, this has been a, a thing that, that's been ignored. And I don't want to say it's ignored. That might not be fair. But I, I think that the, the sense was this has always been a problem, but we don't think he's really close to getting to a position where he can menace us. Well, now that, that has changed, and now the intelligence seems to suggest that he's figuring out how to fly these, these missiles. Now we are being menaced, and so now you, know, you just have to do something you know, to rein this guy in. You cannot allow this crazy guy to get nuclear capability. Ability. I mean, I don't think we want to live in that world. Yeah, all you got to do is look at Munich in the 30s, man. It's the same thing over and over again. Pacification, pacification, and then right. it embodies these people to keep on going, you know? So. No, it, it does. No, thanks for the call. I mean, I'll, I'll give you a more recent example. I appreciate the call. Um, think about... Uh, think about the Cuban Missile Crisis. Now, I was—I'm really—I'm too young to remember that. I mean, I just—I really don't have clear recollections of that. I mean, I was only like four or five years old at the time. But, but I mean, here you had President Kennedy, who, upon finding out that he was being tested, by finding out that you know the Soviet Union was placing um, missiles in Cuba, which would. I don't know, would menace the entire United States, particularly the whole eastern seaboard, he drew the line in the sand. And he said, this is not going to be allowed to, to occur. Now, did he say, okay, the threat is going to be met with, like, uh, fire and fury? Okay, no. But he was very, very clear that this would not be allowed to stand and it would not be tolerated. And there were some people that criticized him. Well, you shouldn't threaten this. You know, we might be looking at a nuclear war. Well, sometimes you, you have to... Again, I have an interesting email from one of our listeners, uh, t- an interesting text. text um, you know, we have to talk tough and we have to carry a big stick, right? And I think, you know, that's Donald Trump, President Trump, is in a position saying, okay, we're not going to be menaced uh, again by this dictator. And it is disturbing to me, like I say, that you have more people who are apparently concerned with Trump's choice of language than they are with the fact that this guy might be able to blow up Guam. It's 926, Jeff Wagner, 620 WTMJ. All right, big thing number two is coming up. Stick around, it's 859. This is Jeff Wagner broadcasting live from the Wisconsin State Fair. It's 928, Jeff Wagner, 620 WTMJ. So glad to have you with us. Reflecting on Sherman Park rioting one year later, is the community closer to a solution now than it was 12 months ago? Wisconsin's Afternoon News takes a closer look at 320 right here on WTMJ. Be sure to check that out. Um, I'm sorry, it's absolutely jammed phone lines on the the whole North Korea thing, and I know we will revisit this from time to time. I want to be real clear here. I, I I hope that they can work out a diplomatic solution. And candidly, I think that diplomatic solution really comes through China. And my sense is that China is starting to recognize that um, they really have to do something because North Korea poses a threat to world peace. And if anybody can rein in the crazy dictator um, it, it, it would be China, and I hope China now is going to finally start to take it seriously because that's that to me is the key. Like I say, if if China decides that they are going to isolate North Korea economically, well, then I, I think at some point in time um, the dictator either has to come around or you do lead to regime change. No question about it. I um, remember the, the big story, of course, that's been kind of the joke of the last week is you have this this couple. We're broadcasting from the state fair. Who decided at the end of at the end of last week, beginning stage of the fair, that um, 
I don't know, they were in the mood for romance and decided to act out, you know, at a particular area down here at the Coliseum, right down right down the street from where I'm sitting. Um, they're, they're now releasing the pictures of the two. Turns out that they are a 28-year-old married couple who um, decided to do this. I, I'm looking at their photographs that have now gone gone national. Let me Let me say this. I think it is unfair to judge a book by its cover. Having said that, if you are trying to, in, the imi- in, in your mind, try to figure out, gee, these people decided it was a good idea to have sex on a bench in the horse coliseum at the Wisconsin State Fair and then wave when they were being filmed doing it, what would those people look like? I mean, if, what would those people look like? Well, having looked at the photographs of these two, again, appreciating that you can't judge a book by its cover, if you try to imagine what you think they would look like, that's what they do, in fact, look like. Desiree Anderson, Robert Beasley, allegedly caught on camera having sex at the Wisconsin State Fair. <sighs> um, three words. Get a room. It's 9.35, Jeff Wagner, 6.20 WTMJ. It may be a preseason game tonight, but that doesn't mean you can't dive into football headfirst this evening. While listening to the Packers-Eagles on the radio, don't forget to head to WTMJ.com for full pre- and post-game analysis throughout the evening. Just click on the Packers section of WTMJ.com and the WTMJ app. Okay, I got this one right. So I'm leaving the house early this morning to have to go into the studio first and then come out to State Fair, and... I um, with all things being equal, I like to have the windows open as opposed to having the air conditioning on and things like that. And I had a number of windows in the house open, and I was I, I listened to the weather forecast, and it said oh, a couple stray showers in the morning, then maybe later on in the afternoon a chance that you know it might be you know more intense, nothing severe. But I'm thinking, okay, well I, I'm I'm done at noon. I have about two hours worth of errands that I have to run this afternoon, and I'll be home by mid-afternoon. Maybe I can just leave the windows open. That was my thought process. And then it occurred to me, well, you know, why, why bother? What's, what's, the, what's the difference? So I, I shut up. I shut most of the windows. Glad I did, because I don't know what's going on where you are, but at State Fair, I, I, I mean, I know the weather forecast said um, there are shower, there's a possibility for a stray shower here and there. <laughs> it's, um I don't know. I wouldn't necessarily describe what's been going on here as a stray shower. More like uh, Noah, if this keeps up, get ready to build a boat. Now, the skies look like they're lightening lightening up and things, but um, not exactly a stray shower. It was just raining like heck, and people up in the sky glider. Just not too many people, but a couple people up in the sky glider when it is raining. All right. Big story number three. There continues to be one of the big controversies in the city of Milwaukee is, and we've talked about this before, over the police chief's, in my opinion, idiotic policy that prohibits his officers from, as a general rule, chasing people who flee from him. The aldermen think it's ridiculous. The members of the Fire and Police Commission think it's ridiculous. Ed Flynn digs in his heels because nobody can tell Ed Flynn what to do, and he resents this. He knows better than everybody else. And we'll see at the end of this month when his time expires to uh, comply with the Fire and Police Commission's demands that he modifies police chase policy, we'll, we'll see where he does. But I want to share a, a story um, that, that's just out. Somebody who was just arrested and charged after a chase 
because I think it underscores and brings up all the different issues that are present in the police chase policy. Here, here's the way we report it. Um, a Milwaukee man, guy's name is DeLon Williams. He's 22 years old. A Milwaukee man was arrested and charged after fleeing police at 100 miles per hour and causing a big accident in Greenfield prior to his arrest. Uh, this happened a couple of weeks ago. July, he's just apparently just been arrested and charged, or at least charged. On July 19th, just after 11 at night, Milwaukee police were in a marked squad car when they saw a 2014 Honda driven by this 22-year-old criminal headed right for them. According to the criminal complaint, the Honda made a sudden move, barely missing the squad car, before accelerating past them. So you have this guy who is apparently playing chicken with the squad cars, near as I can figure it out. Police attempted to stop Williams as he headed into Greenfield, which is where the dynamics change because in Greenfield, they won't let you just drive away. Uh, Police attempted to stop Williams as he headed into Greenfield. However, he ignored officers' attempts to conduct a traffic stop as he entered I-94 heading south. So the guy is now on the freeway, I-94, heading south. According to the criminal complaint, Williams exited the freeway at West College Avenue, where he went through a red light at 20th Street before turning north of 27th Street and accelerating to 100 miles an hour. Now we're talking like 11.30, 12 o'clock at night, so it's in the evening. He's now driving 100 miles an hour. Greenfield police set up stop sticks to disable the tires on Williams' vehicle at 27th and Layton. Williams then attempted to drive through the intersection at 27th and Layton, striking several other vehicles that were stopped for the red light, the police said. He came to rest on the northeast corner of the intersection. Williams then got out of the car, took off running, attempting to hide in several bushes near a car dealership. The officer caught up to Williams, only to have Williams take off running again. This time he ran across Leighton Avenue, where the officer caught up to him and took him into custody. The Honda that Williams was driving was, surprise follows surprise, stolen two days prior. So he's now been charged with a series of, of offenses. Um, here's what happened. He is now in custody, or at least he was arrested. I've got to check to see whether he's been released on bail. But he was apprehended because he was chased. Now, maybe, maybe in Milwaukee they would have continued the pursuit because allegedly he tried to, again, drive straight at the squad car, maybe putting them in danger. That might have given the authority to chase. I, I don't know. But a lot of this then happened because the chase then proceeded into the, the suburbs. 414-799-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage talk and text line. To me, it is stories like this that demonstrate why it is important for the police to chase folks who are willing, driving stolen cars who are out and about on the roadways acting as a menace. And I understand in this particular instance, maybe you would argue they should have just let him drive away. Just let him get away because as a result, more people could have been hurt. He's driving 100 miles an hour. He loses control of the car. He hits a couple cars that are parked at a red light. You know, theoretically, if they just let him speed away, nobody would have been, uh, there wouldn't have been any collisions. 414-799-1620, that is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. My point is, if they would have just let him drive away, yes, 
He, he might not have accelerated and hit a couple cars in the intersection, but you know what? He would be out stealing more cars. He would be out trying to, apparently this guy was trying to run down police officers or hit their squad car. You can't let these criminals simply drive away with impunity. 414-799-1620. This to me, again, this is one of the classic reasons why you have to chase. You have to do everything you can to get guys like this off the street. And this idea that we'll let them go and we'll catch them later isn't simply working. 414-799-1620. We discuss next. If you're on the line, please hold on. It's 943. This is Jeff Wagner, 620 WTMJ. And this is big thing number three. It's 946, Jeff Wagner, 620 WTMJ, broadcasting live from the Wisconsin State Fair. Governor Walker is on record as comparing the Foxconn announcement to the Packers signing of Reggie White back in the early 1990s. Is there some validity to Walker's analogy, or is this apples and oranges? Caffiti and Bill Stat tee that one up. 207 today, live from the State Fair, sponsored by Global Healthcare. Okay, I shared the details of this guy who's just been uh, arrested and the chase that he led police on, because it's one of these classic examples of what can happen when the cops chase. Guy flees, he's driving a stolen car, he apparently tried to run down a couple police officers, he flees, um, at one point in time, driving 100 miles an hour, he blows through a red light and hits a couple car, parked cars, then continues to run. Um, they could have let him get away, but, but they didn't. They caught him. And now he is, I believe, still behind bars. 414-799-1620. All right. Is chasing worth it? Let's start with Mike on the northwest side. Mike, you're first. Good morning. Hey, uh, good morning, Jeff. Hey, I don't think you need a prerequisite to uh, chase cars. Uh, I think that uh, if someone's doing 80 in a 40, uh, they should get pulled over. And, uh, and If they run, you think you should go after them after that, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. Because uh, they're endangering the public, and whatever you know the chase would be, it would just end up the same way anyway, endangering the public, and this would end it. Well, yeah, thanks for calling, Mike. See, I mean, that's what I now look, and I've always been clear. I I think that there are times that you have to use judgment as to whether you chase. I mean, if you're um, got somebody that's driving 90 miles an hour down Wisconsin Avenue at 4:30 in the afternoon and driving on sidewalks, okay. Well, that, in that case. You, you, you don't obviously pursue. You don't want to do stuff that's going to unnecessarily or unreasonably put the police officers who are doing the chase or other citizens at risk. But at the same time, one of the things we've learned is you just can't let people drive off because this idea that, well, we'll catch them later. No, they, they rarely catch them later. That's just not the way it, it works. They're driving stolen cars. They're going to go out and steal other cars. They are committing crimes. They're going to continue to commit other crimes. You've got to do everything you possibly can to apprehend them. Does anybody think if this thug was allowed to get away, if they hadn't caught him that night, if they hadn't done what they did, do you, anybody think that that would have been the end of his criminal spree? All right, he had driving the stolen Honda that he had apparently crashed. What do you think the odds were that the next day he was going to go out and steal some other car? Plus, as we've talked about before, for everybody who cares about, for example, the, the drug problem, this is one of the things that's happened. And it's part of the evolution of this, particularly, I think, in light of Ed Flynn's no-chase policy. It used to be that drug dealers had drug houses. You know, if you wanted to buy dope, you go to the, you know, you go to the house in the middle of the block on this particular street. That, that's where you went. That's not how it works as much anymore. Now, there still are some drug houses, but as a general rule, what happens is drug dealers 
drive around in stolen cars. So it's possible to, tra- possible to trace them to them. You have the drug dealer's cell phone number. You call the drug dealer up on the phone, say, hey, this is what I want, and then he says, good, meet me on this corner. It's these rolling drug houses, the cars that are driving around with the tinted windows and all. And so when the police try to pull them over, the drug dealers drive away high speed. They wave. They make obscene gestures at the cops. They drive away, and the police don't follow them. Do you think that those drug dealers, you're going to catch them the next day or two? No, you have to do this you have to be able to get them off the streets um bob in sheboygan bob you're on 620 wtmj yeah thanks for taking my call Uh, sure the only way to stop these punks is to pursue it pursue them now i get it like you said you can't chase them down wisconsin avenue you can't chase them in the miller park parking lot uh off ramps but these guys know that in Milwaukee, we steal a car, the police won't chase us, they're threatening people driving up on the curbs, they're killing people at stopping go lights and the crosswalks, and it just goes to show you, they're breaking into that uh, the, the, the car auction place nightly, it seems, stealing cars, because, hey, we break out and get out of the fence, nobody's chasing us in Milwaukee. So I just want to say, go after them. Um, we need some strong judges to put these clowns right. back in prison where they belong, and uh, let's chase them. Uh, right, exact, right, exactly. I mean, thanks, because they are going to continue to commit crime. This is not; these are not kids that are off on joyrides. That that is not what we are are dealing with. I mean, I understand if the type of crime that we were dealing with was. Oh, you've got the 17-year-old kids that are, have boosted the car, and they're out on this joyride, and you know ultimately they're going to just leave it somewhere, and this is going to be a one-time thing. But that is not what we are dealing with. We are dealing with, in many cases, hardcore repeat criminals who are driving around in stolen cars, many of which have been taken, not all of which, but many of which have been taken by, by acts of violence, and they want to get away. Also, the other thing that I can't emphasize enough is The police don't know why people are running from them. I mean, that's what's so ridiculous about Flynn's policy and so limiting. All the police know is, hey, we saw this car just blow through a red light at 80 miles an hour in a 40-mile-an-hour zone. Blows through a red light. We go to pull them over. They have now taken off. We have to let them go because we don't know why they are running and they're recklessly driving. They are endangering people's lives. Well, yes, it, it's true that if we try to chase them, maybe they might go 100, but they're already going 80 as they've blown through the red light. You don't think that they pose a danger? Plus, more importantly, you don't know why that is that they have taken off. You, what is it? Normal people stop for the cops. All right. I, can I see a show of hands? Would it occur to anybody that if you were driving and all of a sudden a squad car pulls behind you and puts on the bubble lights that you're going to take off at high rates of speed? Any law-abiding person, you pull over as soon as you possibly can. Your response is not to take off. If you are running, it is because you have a reason to run. I don't know. Maybe there's guns. Maybe there's dope. Maybe there's drugs. Maybe there's a body in the trunk. Who knows why it is that people are running, but there is a reason why people are taking off, you know, period. And and you have to be able to follow them, again, within reason. And the result of that, I freely acknowledge, will be there will be an occasion where somebody running from the police is blows through a red light and hits somebody and causes just a horrific accident. I, I get that. 
But at the same time, I think it is naive to suggest that if you just let those people drive away, they are also not going to be committing crimes and terrorizing other people. And I think on balance, on balance, you chase. And the Common Council agrees with me, and the Fire and Police Commission agree with me, and I think if you took a poll of the majority of the Milwaukee police, they would agree with me. So where is the mayor on this? Just wondering. It's 954. This is Jeff Wagner, 620 WTMJ. It's 9.57, Jeff Wagner, 620 WTMJ. A former gymnastics coach at Infinite Gymnastics is facing a felony charge um, for alleged inappropriate behavior with a child. The guy's 35 years old, uh, faces one count of exposing a child to harmful material. Uh, The child in the case is an 11-year-old boy. Okay. According to the criminal complaint, on July 24th, staff from a gymnastics facility in Brown Deer... Um, apparently, the complaint says the guy was um, employed as a coach. It was learned that an 11-year-old child had been contacted by him regarding um, meetings outside of the gym, including a sleepover, a birthday party, and a baseball game. Um, let's see. The, mo- the victim's mother said the guy had sent him inappropriate um, photos. Inappropriate photos. Uh, the guy was interviewed on August 4th. The complaint indicates he admitted to showing the 11-year-old an inappropriate photo and admitted to making inappropriate requests of the child. Um, the gymnastics instructor, who is 35, said he was just fooling around hmm. and apologized for making the boy feel uncomfortable. He's a 35-year-old man who, if it is true that he allegedly showed inappropriate photographs to an 11-year-old boy, and he says he's just fooling around. Huh. Just fooling around. What does that mean? You're 35 years old. It's an 11-year-old. I mean, seriously, you're just kind of fooling around? Well, here would be my advice, some free legal advice from a recovering lawyer. If you decide you want to just kind of fool around, do it with somebody your own age, for goodness sake. If you've got to do that, and I don't even know what the photographs were or whatever, but whatever you're doing... Um, 35 and 11, the defense of, well, we were just kind of fooling around. I'm sorry if he made him feel uncomfortable. He's 11 years old, for God's sake. I mean, seriously. My, this is one of the things, I mean, my nephew, my nephew, for example, is 10. It's one of those things that if I found out that there was some 35-year-old guy who was doing something like that to my nephew, you just want to go and you'd want to strangle him. Seriously. Now, well, I was just fooling around. He's 11 years old, for goodness sakes. Give me a break. Um, All right, coming up next, um, Walmart is involved in all sorts of controversy. If you want to see the photograph that has gone viral that's causing all the consternation, if you simply text the word Walmart to 414-799-1620, text the word Walmart, W-A-L-M-A-R-T, we will send you... uh, It's 10.08, Jeff Wagner, 620 WTMJ. So very glad to have you with us as we broadcast live from the Wisconsin State Fair. 
Only four more days of the fair. So um, actually, spot, the, the rain has now stopped. A little bit overcast here. Um, it was raining like heck just a little while ago, but the rain has now stopped. But it uh, looks like the weather forecast moving forward. It looks like a wonderful weekend for a great wrap-up for the fair. And uh, be sure to come on out. It's a lot of fun. Also, I would be remiss um, tomorrow and up in Seymour, Wisconsin. The home of the hamburger. Seymour is, of course, you know, out, outside of Green Bay. Um, it, it's their burger fest. And the, the highlight of their, like, hamburger fest is they cook a 200-pound hamburger. I have never been, I've been to Seymour, but I've never been to Burger Fest. And I, I'm not going to be able to get there this year because the schedule just doesn't work. But um, a friend of mine is, his dad has been the one that, that cooked, his dad, Jim, been the one that cooked the giant hamburger for all these years. And actually, I think they turned it into a cheeseburger. Well, my, my, my buddy is cooking this. My, my friend is, is cooking this. And uh, actually asked me if I wanted to help out. And I'm thinking, eh, I, oh, bad things could possibly happen. But uh, Burger Fest in Seymour, Wisconsin, the home of the hamburger. Be sure to check that out if you're up in around the area. All right. If you want to see the photo of this, you can text us at 414-799-1620. Just text the word Walmart, and we will send it to you. Um, here, here is the story. Walmart, of course, as difficult as this is to believe, summer is just flying by. And more and more kids, kids are going back to school um, in the next week or two. Everybody goes back to school, in Wisconsin at least, um, after September 1st. So more and more kids are going back to school, not only in Wisconsin, but across the country. Walmart, now back to school shopping is a big time for lots and lots of retailers, and Walmart in particular. Walmart, um, this year, as their marketing campaign, has launched into this, it's a, it's a superhero-themed um, thing, you know, superheroes are are big, um, and so it's kind of like uh, the 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 slogan is "Own the school year like a hero," and you know they're highlighting, I don't know, superhero themed themed T-shirts and superhero themed you know notebooks and backpacks and things of the like. So own, that's their marketing campaign: "Own the school year like a hero," and if you go into certain Walmart stores, what you will see is they have the, these signs up all, all over, own the school year like a hero. And they put them up all over. They're, they look to me like they're, that the signs are on movable display. So if you've got a, I, I don't know, if you've got a, um, a, a case, for example, that has backpacks or whatever in it, you would put the sign like on the top of it. You could set the sign on the top of it. And it says, own the school year like a hero. Right now, you might be saying to me, "Okay, Jeff, what is the controversy?" Well, here's the story. There is a, a woman. She's <clears throat> she's come forward. Her name is Leanna May. Um, she says that she's um, in the Walmart in Evansville, Indiana, um, a couple days ago on an early morning shopping trip. Um, this would be last Wednesday. She and her husband are walking past the sporting goods section, and she sees a display of hunting rifles. So this, you know, they, they sell they sell hunting rifles at Walmart. She sees a display of hunting rifles, and, and what this is, it's a it's a case. It's an enclosed glass case, and I'm looking at a photograph of it now. There are probably, I don't know, maybe, maybe a dozen hunting rifles in this on display. Enclosed glass case. It's got the statement about federal law, what you have to do to buy a firearm. It's got the Walmart policy. So, I mean, you see that. It's, it's a case. 
on the top of the glass case is one of these movable signs that says, own the school year like a hero. So what she does is she takes a picture of this and then posts it, saying that she is absolutely disgusted by this display. We have already lost so many innocent lives to guns. Um, you know, I, what, what's going on here? She said she drew an immediate connection between firearms and school shootings. She said she alerted school, store employees but could not find a manager. She said people honestly didn't seem to care. She posts this photo, and then Walmart's Twitter account, uh, apparently lots of people are very angry with that. Um, Walmart initially said that um, once they found out that the store was in Evansville, Indiana, they said, I'm happy to tell you our store manager, Christina, has removed the sign from the display. Thanks for alerting this. Subsequently, Walmart is starting to say that they're, they're not sure that this was, this was in this particular store. But the, the operative thing is they have this own the school year like a hero, and the sign is up on top of this glass gun case. Now, Walmart, and I understand there's lots and lots of people that just absolutely hate Walmart for all sorts of reasons. At the same time, a lot of the people that hate Walmart are the same people that line up outside the Walmart the day after Thanksgiving because they want to be able to buy the $49 you know, Blu-ray disc player or, or whatever. So, you know, it, it's actually this interesting sort of love-hate relationship. But people are going absolutely ballistic over this sign on this particular case saying that, Okay, Walmart is endorsing gun violence and all these different types of things, and this is just terrible, and how can this be allowed to happen? All right, 414-799-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. I want to take a bit of a contrarian point of view. Obviously, obviously putting a sign like this on top of a gun display is, is inappropriate. Own the school year like a hero. It, it, whoever did that, it was a dumb thing to do. Clearly and totally inappropriate. At the same time, all right, you've got how many pe- how many WalMarts are there in this country, and how many people work at each one of these WalMarts? This doesn't strike me as being a corporate decision or a corporate policy. My guess is it's somebody who was tasked with going around the store putting signs all over the store, promoting their back-to-school things, who just didn't even think about this. You know, I just, and, and is it a cluelessness? You know, does this sign belong to, I, I understand, can you look at this and say, okay, well, maybe there's a connection between school shootings. But at the same time, all this outrage directed at Walmart, my guess is this was some employee making 8 or $9 an hour who was given a whole bunch of these signs and said, go through the store and put them out, and just didn't think about this. All right, is the, is the intensity of the reaction and is the outrage that is being directed at Walmart perhaps a little bit overstated? 414-799-1620, that is the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. And again, I, this is dumb, but it's not like it's a corporate policy. I mean, how, how responsible is Walmart for what is a dumb thing that some employee probably did? Again, my guess is the instruction were, okay, you got a bunch of these signs, put them up all throughout the store. And they just stuck it there without thinking. Okay, is this really Walmart endorsing school shootings? Or is Walmart getting an unfair rap? 414-799-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Um, 
We're back to discuss in just a minute. If you're on the line, please hold on. It's 1016. This is Jeff Wagner broadcasting live from the State Fair. It's 1019, Jeff Wagner, 620 WTMJ. I, I understand, okay, if you're just tuning in, um, there, there's this controversy involving Walmart. Apparently, this woman goes into this Walmart store in Evansville, Indiana, and in the sporting goods section, they have, they, they've got signs up all over the store. Um, their, their big back-to-school marketing campaign is, be like a superhero. And the signs say, own the school year like a hero. So they've got, they've got them up. These are like movable little signs, and they've got them up all over the store. They've got one outside the sporting goods section on a gun case. So she takes a picture of this. She is outraged. This has gone viral. Walmart is getting all these hostile um, notes. How dare you do this? You're promoting school shooting. My, my point is... All right, well, this isn't like it's a company policy. My guess is what happened is you had some employee that was given a whole bunch of these signs and told to go put them out throughout the store, and they put one there, which was a dumb thing to do. But really, we're going to be this outraged? Let's start with Wayne in Milwaukee. Wayne, you're on 620 WTMJ. Good morning. Good morning, Jeff. I totally agree with you. I think it was somebody just doing their job innocently to not realize what they did. And why does the blame always go to Walmart? I mean, just think of what America would be, what the world would be without Walmart. People save money. Yeah, you might not make the best money there, but Walmart tells you that when you take the job. And I believe this person was doing their job, doing their job well probably, and just did not realize what they did. And it was an innocent mistake. And you're right. This, this this gone viral stuff is wrong because Walmart is not a bad place. Well, right. I mean, th- nice to call. I mean, I, that's, I guess, I, and see, this is, I mean, maybe it's getting more intensity because it's Walmart, but my guess is, and anybody who's worked in retail, okay, you work in a large department store, I mean, I could see something like this happening, and, and it's not like, oh, this is a corporate endorsement. I mean, it was just, clearly this strikes me as just being an oblivious sort of mistake that's made. Okay, Stephen Greenfield texts, let's find something to be offended about. Um, Kyle texts, I can't stand Walmart as much as the next, um, as much as the next Walmart hater, but this in no way is a corporate level decision. Those that see these two items as related are doing nothing more than extrapolating meaningless data in order to create some sort of ruckus and get themselves upset. Um, another text, here's something else to consider, is that you know maybe it could have been a customer who did this who thought it would be funny to place the sign there. Um, that's, you know, that's the other situation. Andrew texts, much like you are skeptical about this, it may not have been an employee who placed the sign there. How do we know a customer didn't move this sign from one place to another and it went unnoticed by the uh, store staff? Yeah, that's why I was saying these signs look like they're these, these movable things. They're little, they're on bases, you just pick them up and you can put them anywhere. I guess I... I, again, I just I've been. What struck me is this is a story. I, I saw this first in the Washington Post. This is on CNN. This is this big story about how clueless Walmart could be, and and I'm thinking, really, it's not like this is a corporate policy that they have decided to okay have back to school specials involving the sale of firearms. This is one sign in one store that at best. At worst, was placed there by some clueless employee, it would seem to me. 414-799-1620. Dave in Appleton. Dave, you're on 620 WTMJ. Good morning, Jim. Hi, Dave. Good morning. A step further, I'm thinking, 
this uh, anti-Walmart nut with the, the photograph, whether she picked it up and stuck it up there to, to you know, yeah. set it up. I mean, it's a movable sign. The guy right. could have put it up there. Anybody could have moved it up there. Well, right, it, right. No, thanks for the call, Dave. And like I said, so right, somebody else could have moved it. But even let's assume the worst-case scenario, let's assume that it was one of the Walmart employees, and that's probably, to me, it's the most likely scenario. It's a Walmart employee that gets a bunch of these signs, go out through the store, put these things around, and he just sees, hey, it's a case. That's great. It'll fit right on the top of this case. Let me just put it there. Um, it, it's And I, I'm buttressed by that, by the fact that I, I don't hear... It's not like you're getting reports of this all over the country. It's not like, hey, you know, we're going to put these things on these, these gun cases. Because, you know, Walmart is the largest retailer of firearms, I believe, in the country. Uh, Clint in Bayview. Clint, you're on 620 WTMJ. Good morning. Good morning, Jeff. Thanks for taking my call. Uh, yeah, kind of like that texter said, I think this may have been like a customer with an inappropriate sense of humor, you know, maybe kids, um, you know, kind of. Uh, when I was younger, you know, doing something stupid like taking a box of laxatives and putting it in the plumbing section, you know, <laughs> right, as, yeah. uh, as, you know, a, a, a way to, you know, get the pipes cleared out, just stupid stuff like that. Now, this obviously is more insensitive uh, and inappropriate than, you know, lighthearted humor, but right. I, you know, even as someone who's not a fan of Walmart, I think this right. blowback is completely out of you know, contact. Yeah, I, I, right. Th- I, thanks. I, I agree as well. And that's why I wanted to devote a segment to it because, look, I, like I say, I understand that there's Walmart haters out there, and I understand that there's people who are genuinely concerned with, you know, schoolyard shootings and things like that. We all are. But seriously, seriously, it's 1024. This is Jeff Wagner, 620 WTMJ. It's 927, Jeff Wagner, 620 WTMJ. Got a chance to go out during the break and say hi to a lot of our listeners who've been here, multiple generations of listeners. That is very cool. All right, uh, our text line is exploding. Lori says, I've seen pictures of these signs um, above beer displays. It's kind of funny, which does make you wonder, I mean, is, is this kind of like the cottage industry? Are, are there... Are there shoppers, for example, who think it's kind of funny to move this stuff around? Uh, Marion Brookfield text years ago, someone would have sent a picture to Jay Leno to put on his headline segment for a laugh at the clueless misplacement of a sign. The same person could have privately told Walmart so that they could move it. Yeah, it's it's part of this this whole culture that that we're, we're always outraged about everything, and I, I understand there is. There's all sorts of stuff to legitimately be outraged about. I, I get that. But at some point in time, I think that there are, we have to be really careful in this world, that we wake up every day not being what I call the perpetually, the politically correct and the perpetually offended. You know, the, the folks that wake up with this, I'm going to go out and I'm going to, I'm going to have that chip on my shoulder and I'm going to go out and I'm not going to be happy till I can find somebody that's going to knock that chip off my shoulder. It's just kind of like, all right, lighten up. Now, if, again, Walmart had developed a corporate policy that they were going to promote gun sales as part of their back-to-school sale, well, I understand it would be, it would be a legitimate issue. But that's, that's not what this is. Now, if you want to find outrage, um, here, here's a story. 
Woman is third Milwaukee shooting victim in less than 24 hours. A woman shot on Milwaukee's north side Wednesday afternoon is the third victim of gunfire in the city since Tuesday night, according to police. The 25-year-old woman was hospitalized after being seriously wounded about 2 p.m. in the 2400 block of North 35th Street. Police said 31-year-old man was shot shortly after 10 a.m. Wednesday in the 4800 block of West Hadley Street, and a 27-year-old man was shot shortly before 10 p.m. Tuesday in the 400 block of North 28th Street. Um, both men were taken to hospitals and ex- are expected to survive. That underscores one of the things that I, I've been saying. When we try to look at violent crime, uh, one of the indicators is homicides. You know, what, what is the homicide rate? And, and homicides are one of the things you do look at. But here's the bottom line. Anytime someone is shot, it could potentially be a homicide. The, the reason, in many cases, it's just plain old dumb luck. You know, you get shot, and, you know, depending on where the bullet strikes you, you know, it's either, hey, you've got a trip to the emergency room, um, or you've got a trip to the morgue. So, to me, homicides, it's an indicator, but it's only one indicator of violence. I, I think a better indicator is you just look at the number of people who are shot, and here you have, in the city of Milwaukee, Three people shot, including two in broad daylight yesterday. I mean, really. I mean, it's just unbelievable. If you were listening earlier, our big thing number one, the report on Channel 12 yesterday, woman gunfire rips through her home. Several bullets flying in the house. She calls 911. The police don't come out for four-plus hours because they say, well, there's other stuff. Essentially, they say there's other stuff that's more important that we're dealing with. And it might be the case. But what does that say about what's going on in the city of Milwaukee? All right. Coming up in just a couple minutes, experts are saying that despite what all of us say, we or our kids are going to get chipped sometime soon. I want to test that theory. It's 1035, Jeff Wagner, 620 WTMJ. Law enforcement experts are voicing concern that citizens are making it too easy for burglars when it comes to auto thefts and home invasions. What is it that has police worried? Hmm. Find out during Scafidi and Bill's at 1235 as they broadcast live from the Wisconsin State Fair that is sponsored by Global Healthcare. All right. A couple weeks ago, we, we talked about the, the story. There, it was the company in Wisconsin that had given its employees the option of having a microchip implanted in their hands, and the microchip would replace, oh, the card keys. I mean, I, 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 the way, for example, to get into where I work, when you get into the studio, we, we've got a parking lot. Well, the parking lot is a gated parking lot. You need to have this card key. I wear the card key on a lanyard around my neck. So it's kind of like, you know, belling the cat. I've, I've got it there. I keep the card key in my car. I keep it like in the ashtray of the car. So, I mean, I always know where it is, and so I always have it. But you need the card key to open the gate to get into the parking lot. You need the card key to get into the building. You need the card key to get into the radio studios, right? And presumably, you know, if they ever usher me out with my box of future endeavors, they will immediately deactivate the card key so I can't come back. Um, I don't find it to be too much of a nuisance carrying around the key, but the card key. But but again, you got to remember it. And some people do, in fact, forget. Matter of fact, as I was leaving the studio this morning, I go in early and pick up stuff. As I'm I'm going out, um, woman 
is coming in, and she's like, I, I knew who she was. She worked in the building. And she said, I, I, I forgot my card key. You know, can you let me in? And, of course, I, I, I did. I'm not supposed to, but I, I did. I knew she worked in the building and all. But you, you forget the card keys, and then it can be a problem. So, anyhow, what this company's doing is they have, there are these microchips, and you implant a microchip in your hand between your thumb and forefinger. It's about the size of a grain of rice. And the way this works now is it, it's, it's, performs like the card key does you know you don't have to carry the card key you just put it up to the scanner and the gate opens up and they made it optional for employees to do it the other thing it does is it ties into your like account for the cafeteria so instead of you know you you go to buy lunch in the cafeteria and it's 350 instead of having to pull out a card to charge it all you have to do is hold your hand up to the scanner and it automatically you know deducts the money from your account all right so uh, and they didn't make employees do it, but like, I forget what it was, 30 or 40 employees decided to, to do it on their own. And we had a discussion about whether or not that was that was the wave of the future. Would you do it? And I think most people said no. My reaction was, you know, no way. Sorry. I mean, I just, I don't want people putting these things in me. Uh, interesting story in USA Today. Here's how it starts. You will get chipped eventually. You will get chipped. It's just a matter of time. In the aftermath of a Wisconsin firm embedding microchips in employees last week to ditch company badges and corporate logons, the Internet has entered into a full-thrown debate. People are appalled. Um, some people are no, want to know, is this what real life is going to be like? Will I be chipped? And then they quote somebody from UWM who said, it will happen to everybody. Not this year. Maybe not next year. But certainly, um, maybe not to you know the current generation, but certainly that's what's going to happen to, to kids. And then the story goes on to say, hey, over the next X number of years, don't know exactly when it's going to happen, this is going to be what the future looks like. And I was talking about this a little bit last week, but this is what they're saying. There is going to be a not-too-distant future where you won't carry credit cards. You won't need to have identification cards. It's all going to be on these chips. You won't have to go to the airport and pull out your passport or your driver's license. All you're going to have to do is hold up your hand, and there's going to be a computer scanner that reads that. You're not going to have to have an ATM card. All you're going to have to do is go to the machine, wave your hand in front of it, and it's automatically going to pull up your account. At least that's what's that's what these people are saying, that this is going to be the wave of the future. And even if you and I might resist it, we're kind of dinosaurs, and that there are going to be younger generations that are going to embrace it. Why do I have to carry, you know, a purse carrying, like, these cards and stuff? It's a nuisance. You forget the cards. Here, just put a chip in me, and then I can get anything I want. All right, 414-799-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Is this really the wave of the future? In the next five or ten years, are our credit cards going to disappear? Are bank cards going to disappear? Um, is all the identification going to be contained in a microchip that you now is implanted? And, and look, and I mean, I understand there's a value for microchips. My, my dog, you know, I, I had her microchipped in the beginning. So if, if she ever, Lord forbid, gets lost and somebody finds her, you know, in addition to, like, all the different things she has in her collar that, that can come off, I mean, she's got that microchip. We can always identify her. Um, it's one thing to do that for your pet. It's another thing to do it for people. 
Um, these social sociologists say this is the wave of the future. So not today, not tomorrow, but five years from now, ten years from now, are we essentially going to live in not just a cashless society, but a plastic-free society where we've all got that microchip, you hold up your hand, and that is how commerce is transacted? 414-799-1620. I don't think so. But I admit I've been wrong about these things before. What do you think? We discuss next. If you're on the line, please hold on. Back with more of your calls in back with your calls in just a minute. It's ten forty one. This is Jeff Wagner. We're broadcasting live from the Wisconsin State Fair. It's ten forty five, Jeff Wagner, six twenty WTMJ. Big story in USA Today saying, hey, for everybody who's like, concerned about this, these microchips that they're implanting in people's hands in this company in Eau Claire, uh, get used to it because this is going to be the wave of the future. Maybe not today, maybe not tomorrow, but sooner than you think. 414-799-1620. Let's start with Patrick in Wauwatosa. Patrick, good morning. Uh, yeah, I like the idea and everybody wants to move on to the future, but I think we're forgetting a lot about our bodies. I think our fingerprints are probably the best chip you'll ever find. And I'm sure there's even you out there and yourself that would have missed that it's a lot better system, more secure than any chip. What, using the fingerprints? So you think the technology is going to, we're going to get to a point where you're not going to need cards. You just think it's going to be the your fingerprint instead of um, instead of a microchip. Well, I think it's obvious. You can go to one fingerprint, two fingerprints. You're a lot better off. Uh, you know, you talk about uh, somebody impersonating somebody else. All they have to do is, uh, I, I'm sure that would be a science fiction thing, getting all of your chip or amputating a finger. <laughs> right. But you've already got so many appendages. You can use a pin card plus your appendages. There's just there's no reason to follow this uh, dream of somebody's uh, money-making scheme of uh, making a, a chip. Okay, thanks for calling. I appreciate it, Patrick. I don't know. I, I, I just, I, I don't, I don't know. I can see, I can see the convenience aspect of this, and I mean, I, I, I will tell you honestly, I was shocked that 40-some people at this company decided that they were going to do it. The scary thing to me is, they, they say, they say this chip doesn't have GPS capabilities, but at the same time, I, I got to imagine that you make a slightly bigger chip, and and it would, um, you know, would would people be willing to be tracked like that? Four one four seven nine nine one six twenty. Let's talk to Robert in Chicago. Robert, good morning. You're on six twenty WTMJ. Hey, good to talk to you. Um, I actually work in the industry, and it's kind of funny you mentioned this subject. Just when I hop in the car, you talk about credit cards. I'm just leaving one of our largest um, customers of ours that do credit cards. Right. They're not actually changing their long-term forecast because they're investing a fair amount of money. Is technology will be changing, but not going to embedding in the hands. That's all I'll really say. But I don't see that happening. I would never do it personally, and I think right. the people in Claire are kind of out there in their minds. But uh, what are right. you going to do? What do you think about? Okay, can I, how, let me, Robert. How old are you? I am uh, forty. <laughs> Okay. Sorry, it, was, it wasn't supposed to be a hard question. <laughs> okay. All right. Okay. But all right. So I, okay. So you're 47. What? And, and you wouldn't do it. What about? What about the 20 year olds now? Um, you know. I guess that's. I, I agree. I think people your age group or my age group wouldn't do it. But I wonder about the people who are in their 20s or the teenagers now who are just have a different view of technology. Do you think they might be more open to this? Um. 
I think it depends on the parents, quite honestly. They, a lot of kids go off of what their parents, if they respect their parents, I know that's kind of weird, but if they respect their parents and they listen to their parents' viewpoint of why they think it's, um, they shouldn't do it, they'll right. typically go that way. My son agrees with me and he wouldn't do it, part of it because of our religious stance, but right. the other part is just, it's just creepy and no matter what they say, you can't be tracked. I'm sorry, they're fibbing to you. You can't right. be tracked with this technology. Right. Yeah. No. Thanks for call. I, thanks for call. I appreciate. It. Actually, I'm glad you used the word creepy because that's kind of the word that I use. Would we be creepy? I mean, I just think it's kind of creepy to have something like this put in your hand. And I understand that it's a pain in the butt to have to, you know, remember your card key or carry your wallet or carry your purse that's got the different cards and then keep track. Okay, which one's my credit card? Which one's the debit card? Which one's the ATM card? And I'm not suggesting that there might not be some more efficient way that they develop in the future, maybe some sort of master card, not a master card, but a master, different word, card, that, you know, uh, you, know you, you can use for, like, multiple type of purposes, maybe something like that. But the idea of implanting things in your body that are going to serve that purpose, I think that's... I think it's decades off, just decades off. 414-799-1620. Let's talk to Mike in Columbus. Mike, you're on 620 WTMJ. Good morning. Good morning. I love your show. I'm driving up to the Packers game tonight. Oh, go Pack. (laughs) So anyway, as a naturopathic doctor, I've done studies and research and listened to doctors that say, like, cell phones emit an emission that's causing these glioblastomas. Right now I'm on speakerphone, and I never carry the phone next to me so the same thing right. with microchips and if you walk by a microwave and you're on a headset you're going to get that frequency off that well yeah. the danger to that is you know it could disrupt your cells and um, yeah. when you pass the cell phone tower your body gets an irradiation of a free radical off your cell phone so i'm thinking why don't we just do like a class ring or something or some sort of blingy ring that you can put that in and right. do it that way then you can take it off if you want to but you know make it so it's you know, protective to yourself. Yeah, I mean, I, like that's, that kind of ties into what I was saying just a couple of minutes ago. I could see that there being something that, you know, becomes available that people might be able to carry that would consolidate a lot of stuff, but the actual implanting it into your body, I mean, for, that that's just... I, at least people of our generation, I just don't think we're ready for that. And I, I'm not sure people of any generation are ready for that. Well, and if you just research, you know, the glioblastomas of the brain... I mean, they've done studies to where the radiation from a phone goes halfway through it, almost all the way over to the other ear. Yeah. So never, never carry your phone next to your ear. Use a speakerphone, uh, Bluetooth, etc. Interesting. So, uh, I love your thanks. show. No, thanks for the advice. I appreciate it. Go Packers. Enjoy your trip. Enjoy the game. Four one four seven nine nine one six twenty, which is the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. I don't. Again, creepy is the word I keep coming back to. There's, there's probably a better word to describe it, but it just strikes me as being is being creepy, and I, I guess I just don't have that much of a problem, you know, carrying my card key around my neck. Let's talk to Gary in Delafield. Gary, you're on 620 WTMJ. Hello there. Good morning. Hi, Gary. Good morning, sir. A uh, little bit, my background is I've been involved with ATMs, phone systems, and stuff for years. Um, we do ticketing on a phone, so I'm very much into mobile technology. In 1990, they told us that we would have uh, fiber to every place. This is now 2017. Right. I always don't have it. Right. About 15 right. years ago, I met with NCR and to look at some ATMs. Right. They 
said, oh, we have uh, retina scans, we have fingerprint scans. However, it is too hard to do it worldwide and implement it. It's impossible. Right. I feel right. as scary as this might be and everything else to people, I don't think we'll ever see it in not five or ten years, maybe not 30 or 40, if at all. Yeah. No, and I, I think, I mean, thanks for the call. I appreciate it. That, uh, beyond, and I, I guess I'm just talking about the attitudinal response without even anticipating the, the technology and is it going to be able to develop. But all these different concerns are out there. Um, Gretchen in Milwaukee. Gretchen, you're on 620 WTMJ. Good morning. How are you? How are I'm you well, doing thank that? you. I'm good. I'm at the yeah, state yeah. fair. It doesn't get much better than that for me. <laughs> yeah, you know, I'm just picturing the modern-day mugging. So rather than someone coming up and asking for your wallet, maybe they approach you with a machete and they take <laughs> your hand and head to the oh. local ATM. Yeah, yep, yep, yep. Or, or grab you, you know, one of those things, you know, just just grab you and, and abduct you. you. I don't have a card with me. Okay, well, we're just taking your hand. It's... You know, it's all those different possibilities. I would assume, Gretchen, you would not do this if given the option? Not if it was linked to finances, no. Right, right. Yeah, but that's, yeah, thanks for the call. I appreciate it. Yeah, not, I guess I just, I wouldn't do it if it was linked to anything. I mean, it's just, okay, um, you get a deal going, all right, you, you don't have to, like, reach into your wallet and pull out your card as you're going through the lunch line. That's okay. I don't mind pulling out my card. In any event, it's an interesting story. If you pick up USA Today or check it out online, um, they have all sorts of experts, including some from UWM, so-called experts, who say this is going to happen. You will get chipped eventually. Uh, I guess I don't know what eventually means, but I suspect I'm going to be long gone before that actually happens. All right, let's take a quick break. It's 1054, Jeff Wagner, 620 WTMJ. Got a lot of stuff coming up on the program. This effort is underway to bring back Midwest Express Airlines. Good luck with that. The Postal Service wants to raise prices and all sorts of things. Stick around. It's 1057, Jeff Wagner, 620 WPMJ, broadcasting live from the State Fair. We have a particularly attractive crowd getting a thumbs up. I love that. Um, Coming up in about 10 minutes, I think the U.S. government is on the verge of killing the U.S. Postal Service. I will explain why the Postal Service um, might get more freedom to raise stamp prices. That's not the answer to the problems that beset the Postal Service. And in my opinion, unless the government gets out of the way, you are looking at a dramatic change in the way we get mail, and that's going to be in the next five or ten years. We're going to talk about that in just a couple minutes. And these efforts to bring back Midwest Express. um, Maybe we have a chance to talk about that this hour, too. And at 1130, we've got Pop Culture Corner coming up. I loved Midwest Express. I, I, I did. The heyday of Midwest Express was when I was working for the federal government in Milwaukee, and I had to travel back and forth between Milwaukee and Washington a lot. I, I loved it. You, you could do day trips. They had an early morning direct flight um, from Milwaukee to D.C. Then they had a 7 o'clock flight coming back. They served you champagne. You had, like, your choice of steak or lobster, I think, on the way back. You know, they had these champagne breakfasts. It was, it was just, it was delightful. But unfortunately, like the hula hoop, like jarts, like a lot of things, Midwest Express is gone. And as much as I loved it, I am very skeptical about these efforts to bring it back. We're going to talk about all that in just a couple minutes. Uh, Stick around. We are broadcasting live from the State Fair where the sun has come out. 
People are enjoying themselves. Come on out and say hi. It's 1059. This is Jeff Wagner, 620 WTMJ. Wagner, 620 WTMJ. People are so genuinely nice. Lovely lady standing outside our booth here. Just writes this note. Best wishes, Jeff. That is on that is on me getting married, right? That's the, that. I, I have, once again, outkicked my coverage. There's no question about that in Affairs of the Heart. And I do appreciate it. A lot of people coming up and... Uh, a lot of people coming up and doing that. Yeah, we announced on the radio. Actually, we got engaged over the 4th of July, but um, getting married at the end of next month. So actually, one of uh, one of her friends sent me this note saying, it's 50 days. And like, oh, okay. You know, we're, we're, we're moving along. It, it's all... It's all kind of it's all sort of falling into place, I think, which is easy for me to say because I'm I'm not doing that much on it, so um, we're 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 working on that. But I do appreciate all the very very good wishes. Um, all right, we got a lot of stuff to talk about in this hour of the program. I'm a huge fan of the postal service. Matter of fact, I know that a lot of people who listen to this program work for the postal service because I hear from you. I you know out on those different mail routes and things like that. Uh, Congress is about to do something which, candidly, I think is like rearranging the deck chairs on the Titanic, like trying to put a Band-Aid on a gaping wound, and frankly, which I I think in some respects might be misguided. Congress, uh, within, I I think, the next couple weeks, is apparently going to allow the Postal Service um, to raise stamp prices beyond the rate of inflation. I mean, right now, stamp prices, it's 49 cents for a first-class stamp, for, you know, one of their forever stamps. And um, in order to get permission to raise rates, you got to go through this entire process to do it, and that's why it only goes up a cent or two or whatever. Um, the Postal Service is going to get more freedom to raise stamp prices. Now, let me kind of back into this right now. The Postal Service, which is an independent agency of government, has lost money for the last 10 consecutive years. Now, let me explain. There's a reason why that that is is going on. Um, Online shopping has led to years of double-digit growth in the package delivery business. So the fact that you have, you know, the Postal Service that is delivering packages now in competition with, like, UPS and some of the other places and FedEx, that's, that's been a growth industry. But the amount of money that they are making has not offset the decline in first-class mail. Overall mail volume, which makes up more than two-thirds of postal revenue, dropped 27% over the last decade. Why, why is that? Well, it's because more and more of us don't... I mean, look, it, let's face it. it. It used to be 10 years ago, 15 years ago, before Al Gore invented the Internet, and it became popular, you, you would get... You would get a bill in the mail, and that's the way. I understand that there were some ways of, you know, you could pay them directly, but in general, every month you would get your you would get your bills in the mail, and then what you would do is you would sit down at the desk when you paid the bills, and you'd write out all the bills, and you'd write out a check for each one of the bills, and you'd put it in the envelope, and you'd seal the envelope, and you'd put the stamp on it, and you'd send it off. Right? That that's how we we did things. Also, some of you might have even written letters. Remember that? You'd actually sit down and write your friend in Southern California a letter, and then you'd put it in the envelope, you'd seal the envelope, you'd put the, uh, the stamp on it, and you'd send it off. Well, nowadays, um, more and more people, that's just not how they, first of all, that's not how they pay their bills. Um, I, I was, again, uh, not necessarily an early adopter on this, but I would say, 
I would say now 80% of my regular recurring bills I pay online. You know, you've got it set up through my bank account. You, you could have automatic deductions if you want, but I have it set up through my bank account um, that all I have to do is I get, I get the bill. In many cases, I, I don't even get the bill in the mail anymore. I get the bill via my email account. It tells me, okay, this is how much you owe for your, your cell phone. And then what I do is I just go open up, uh, I go to my bank account online and just put in the numbers, click it, boom, it's automatically gone. You know, you don't have to deal with the postal service. So you're not getting, they're not getting the revenue from the bill being sent out, and they're not getting the revenue from me buying the stamp and sending it back. That That's just the way things are working nowadays. More and more people are doing that. And who really writes letters anymore? I mean, I understand maybe there's a couple people that do, but as a general rule, I communicate with people all the time. Um, my, my best friend for the longest time lived in, now he lives here, but he lived in you know Pennsylvania. Um, when we would communicate, it would be via email. You know, you'd send notes, how you doing, but you communicate via email or text message or whatever. You, you don't write letters anymore as a general rule. There are exceptions. And then send it off. So in any event, that's what's happened. That The Postal Service has been really hit by the fact that uh, there's been an incredible decrease in overall mail volume. So the, the answer, and so they're, they're, they're hemorrhaging money. So the answer that Congress has come up with is, okay, let's allow them to charge more for a service that fewer and fewer people are using, which to me makes absolutely no sense. Typically, you raise the price on something when it is in demand. You know, if you've got a ticket to a hot football game, you've got a ticket that everybody wants, and you're looking to resell it, well, you charge more. That's when you raise the price, when you have something that want that people want. When you have something that people aren't using as much, it's almost, well, it's, it's more than counterintuitive to say we're going to raise the price on this. Gee, we're, we're not... We're not getting enough traction when the stamps cost 49 cents. Let's raise the price to 60 cents. Well, yeah, some people are going to have to pay more, but that's just going to drive, it seems to me, a lot more people into saying, okay, we're not going to use it. That, in my opinion, is not the solution to the problems that the Postal Service has. Um, One of the reasons the Postal Service is in trouble is because um, Congress requires them to pre-fund retiree health benefits. Um, most companies, there's a, there's a formula that you have to have, but you don't have to 100% uh, fund them. Congress requires the Postal Service to do it. Congress um, essentially has ruled out closing post offices. Remember, there was this, spe- there was this idea earlier, this, or a couple of years ago, here, let's look at some of the underperforming post offices and, and let's close them. And then you had people like Tom Barrett and Gwen Moore who just went absolutely nuts. Well, you know, okay, we've got a couple post offices within, you know, two miles of each other. Um, neither one is making money. Instead of doing what a private business would do and closing one of them and consolidating the operations with the Postal Service, Congress won't let them close. And then what I think is one of the biggest things that could be done, the whole idea of, of Saturday delivery of mail. Um, look, I, I think it's great that you... I think it's great that you get delivery of mail on Saturdays, but that is a loss leader for the Postal Service. Okay, we're going to talk more about this in just a minute, but I am told that we have breaking traffic news. 
Breaking news from WTMJ, Jeff, I-41 northbound and southbound at Pilgrim Road. We have all lanes blocked in both directions because of a traffic accident. The possible delay could be two hours. This is Jane Matinair for WTMJ Radio News. Tell you what, let's take a very quick break. When we come back, I want to talk more about the Postal Service and get your input. It is 1116. This is Jeff Wagner. We're broadcasting live from the Wisconsin State Fair. It's 1118. Jeff Wagner, 620 WTMJ. We will continue to keep you updated of the uh, breaking traffic news. Sounds like it's a mess. I-41 by Pilgrim. Uh, we'll continue to keep you updated. I have some errands I have to run this afternoon. I'm trying to figure out if that would have taken me in that direction. But it sounds like it's going to be a mess with the uh, road completely closed. Keep it tuned here. We'll give you updates. All right. Um, I, I was going through the, what's going on with the Postal Service. I'm a huge fan of the Postal Service. They are considering what could be potentially be a massive increase in the price of stamps. I don't think that is the solution. Matter of fact, I, I mean... And, and I understand they are constrained by government. Government won't let them close underperforming post offices. Government won't let them do away with Saturday service. Government requires them to pre-fund the entire employee pension system, which is something that, that's just not required of private industries. So they might let them raise the price of stamps. Well, I mean, it seems to me that, all right, if you have... If already the problem is the caught that the amount of pe- number of people using the mail is declining, the volume of mail is going down to increase the cost at a time when more and more people don't use the service is just nuts. All right, I want to open up the phone lines. 414-799-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. I want to see the Postal Service succeed. As a matter of fact, I think for them to do it, you need to get the government out of out of the way. Let them close. Let them close businesses. Let them close postal offices. Let the post offices. Let them consider doing away with Saturday mail. But raising the price of stamps, I think, is well. I just think it's disastrous. Four one four seven nine nine one six twenty. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. I think that the logical effect of doing that is that. It will drive more and more people into using the mail service less. I mean, the future of the Postal Service, to me, isn't necessarily the daily delivery of mail. It's more like the delivery of packages. And I think the Postal Service does a very, very good job. But you raise the price at a time when fewer and fewer people want to use the service and what what happens? You just drive more people away. Just saying. Four one four seven nine nine one six twenty. Um, that is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Let's see. Um, our, let's check our text line. My post office got closed. I now have to drive thirteen miles to pick up any certified um, letters and packages. I used to drive um, five times. Uh, five miles. Mitch in Sturgeon Bay writes, the Postal Service will never be profitable or even break even, no matter how many Amazon orders they deliver or what stamps cost. The active benefits and retiree benefits are ginormous, terrible, terrible business model, and they respond to competition by raising prices. Yeah, that's just... Raising prices is not the way to do it. All right, uh, Jeremiah in West Dallas, you're on 620 WTMJ. Good morning. Hey, good morning. Um, as a As a business owner... I find that uh, sending sending invoices, sending uh, correspondence with uh, with my clients is is a whole lot more expensive if I do it uh, snail mail. But if I actually go with 
um, you know, sending it via email, right. that's a whole lot cheaper. I mean, you're you're sending it for free. Right. Um, and it's faster. Not, you mean immediate delivery. You don't have to wait two or three days for it to be delivered. Right. It's, it's instant. Um, I would say the only thing that maybe would still kind of keep me um, using the mail is uh, like Christmas cards or something sure. like that. But even more and more, you there's e-cards and there's things that you yeah. can send um, via the Internet that, you know, you can add music and uh, and all sorts of stuff yeah. that makes it even even more entertaining and more uh, more valuable even though it's free. Yeah, no, I right. I, th- thanks for the call, Jeremiah. I, I see. I agree. I mean, to me, I think I think the future. T- to me, I could see a situation where the mail is going to end up being the almost sort of like the loss leader. I think the postal service's future is going to again be in, in the package delivery type of things, and that's why I think the government really does need to get out of the way and let them make those business decisions that businesses make. If you have Okay, you got two postal services, when a post offices within a couple miles of each other. One is underperforming. You close the one that's underperforming and you consolidate. That's the way that, that business does it. That's the way it's going to survive. But you raise prices. My God, it's a disaster. Randy in Fort Atkinson. Randy, you're on 620 WTMJ. Good morning. Hey, Jeff. Thanks for taking my call. Yes, sir. I work for a distribution center, and we uh, ship through UPS, but UPS takes all our packages, or nearly all our packages, to uh, the post office, and then the post office delivers them to the residents. Okay. So, so and that's the way most um, distribution centers work. Actually, it's called UPS Sure Post and UPS Mail Innovations. Right. I, I don't know how they're not doing well. That's a that's a ton of business they're getting, and they're not going to get the the letters like you say. Yeah. We would use uh, you or the post office more directly, but. They're not as cooperative as uh, UPS. I can't call them any time of the day. They don't bring mm-hmm. trailers any time I want them yeah. uh, where I can with UPS. But it's just yeah. difficult to work with. I, I don't understand it, but yeah, well, and it, it is. Yeah, thanks for calling. And, and that's got to be the, the business model, I think, moving forward. Um, the problem is, and this is just like, I, I mean, I don't want to bring like newspapers into this too much, but okay, newspapers are struggling financially. Let, let's put aside liberal bias and things like that. The, I mean, newspapers depended on subscriptions. They depended on, um, and then they depended on advertising revenue, and they depended on classifieds. Well, the classified business is now non-existent. I mean, essentially non-existent. You know, people people get the stuff on over over um, again over the internet. They've got eBay, they have Craigslist, they've got all sorts of stuff like that. I mean, that really crippled. I think that the classified business. You know, then you've got subscriptions. More people are just they they want the information, but they're able to get it in sources other than a printed newspaper that's delivered to your house once a day. And then you've got advertising revenue. Well, if fewer people are subscribing, um, then then your advertising revenue is going to end up going down. That's the struggle that all newspapers are experiencing. It's the same thing that the Postal Service is going through now. I mean, I guess I was stunned when it said that, you know, even even with the money they make in the packages, uh, more than two-thirds of their revenue come from overall mail volume. And, I mean, who sends first-class letters nowadays? The occasional bill pay, but like I say, more people do that electronically. And as far as communicating, more and more, it, it's email exchanges. It's not letters. Let's talk to Eric in Racine. Eric, you're on 620 WTMJ. Hey, Jeff. How's it going Hi. today, man? Good. What do you think? I think it's a bad idea. I mean, in, in 2001, I worked with a local company, Racine, 
the manager is saying she spends $300 plus a month in snail mail stamps. And that's back in 2001 when I was working with that company. Right. And I can't imagine today's rate. They want to raise it again. I would definitely not be able to imagine uh, our, the family paying for that. I mean, right. Very quickly, they dropped the snail mail stuff and went email. Yeah. Email, it, it, email, it, email. Exactly, because you can. Thanks for call. You you can you can do it for free, essentially for free. Once you've got the the servers type set, set up, and now it's a point where I mean, almost everybody, not everybody, but almost everybody has email accounts. Look, I want to see the postal service succeed. I, I do, I do, I do. I want to see daily mail service continue. Although, again, I wrestle with the idea: would it really be the end of the world if you only had it five days a week instead of six? I don't think it would. That would be a way to save a whole bunch of money potentially. But to simply increase the price of stamps and think that that's going to allow them to dig their way out of the problem, actually, I think it would make it worse. It's 1127. Hey, coming up in a couple minutes, we've got Pop Culture Corner. Um, it's going to be a good one today. Stick around. 1127, Jeff Wagner, 620 WTMJ. Jeff Wagner, 620 WTMJ. Packers football returns tonight. Green Bay takes on Philadelphia in the preseason opener for both squads. Our coverage from Lambeau begins at 5 o'clock here on WTMJ. That means you can catch the finale of the Brewers Twin Series on our sister station, 94.5 KTI Country. That begins at 635, sponsored by Catholic Financial Life. Okay, we have reached that point in the program. We do this every Thursday, broadcasting live from the State Fair, but we put aside the... Uh, worrying about what's going to go on with North Korea and the continuing battle over Foxconn and all those other things. And we lighten it up a little bit and have some fun. Pop Culture Corner is right around the corner. Jeff Wagner, 620 WTMJ. <clears throat> Governor Walker is on record as comparing the Foxconn announcement to the Packers signing of Reggie White back in the early 90s. Is there some validity to Walker's analogy, or is this apples and oranges? Scafidi and Bill Stat that one up, 207 today, live from the State Fair, sponsored by Global Healthcare. All right, State Fair or not, this is the portion of the week, this last segment of the show, last two segments of the show on fr- on Thursdays. I call it Pop Culture Corner, and we've been doing this, if you're new to the show, I, I do this, it's sort of a way to kind of lighten things up. Um, we spend a lot of times talking about, a lot of times talking about all the real serious stuff that's out there, and sometimes I think it's important to have a little bit of fun. And so Pop Culture Corner, really, it's, it's what tickles my fancy in a particular week that I think might tickle your fancy. Um, sometimes we talk about movies, sometimes we talk about TV, sometimes we talk about food, sometimes we talk about sports, sometimes travel. You know, it just, it just depends on, on the given week. Um, one of the things, if you're a regular listener, you know I'm a huge music fan. And um, earlier this week, uh, I guess perhaps not surprising, you knew this was inevitable, but Glenn Campbell, who was a huge a crossover star started as a country star and then really crossed over into mainstream, you know, pop music. 60s, 70s, and 80s. You know, Glenn Campbell. You think of the hits. His, his first big one was "Gentle on My Mind," but he had Wichita Lineman and a number of just a num Rhinestone Cowboy, just a number of other you know, hits. He um, was a TV star. He appeared in a number of movies, and he had been battling Alzheimer's for a number of years. He passed away earlier this week at the age of 81 after his battle with Alzheimer's. 
Um, Glenn Campbell, I, matter of fact, I, I saw a video of this. There was a documentary they were making of it. You know, he was making his, his about a year or two ago, he was making his last tour, you know, because they knew that, you know, inevitably with the progression of Alzheimer's, you know where that, that ends up, up leading. I never had a chance to see Glenn Campbell in person. And I, I remember, see, some of the things that happens is that when you have performers who are ailing or perform, performers who clearly their kind of day has passed, sometimes I admit, I make the conscious decision that I, I, I don't want to see them because I kind of want to remember them as they were in their heyday. At the same time, sometimes there's a flip side. A couple of years ago, Levon Helm, who was the drummer in the, the band, The Band, um, also, he he was he played Sissy Spacek's father and Coal Miner's daughter, but he was the drummer. And if you listen to a lot of the band's songs, I mean, he, he's also the, the singer. Um, he was he was battling cancer, and I saw him at Potawatomi actually about two months before he passed away. And, and he put on, I mean, you could tell that that he was clearly struggling with the effects of cancer. But I'm very very glad I saw him. I mean, I had seen the band years and years and years ago. Once have vague recollections of it. I'm glad I got a chance to see him before he passed away. I never got a chance to see Glenn Campbell in concert. Um, so for Pop Culture Corner today, I, I want us to sort of take a look in the Wayback Machine, and, and here's it, sort of in recognition and in more memoriam for the passing of Glenn Campbell. Is there, what performer would you have liked to have seen that you never got a chance to do it? Maybe it was that, hey, I had a chance to pick up tickets to see the, this performer, and I, I just, I always thought that they would be around, or I never got a chance to do it. You know, what artist, what performer do you wish that you would have had the chance to see? 414-799-1620, that is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Um, because we're out at the State Fair, we're also not live streaming this like we typically do. But Pop Culture Corner, given the passing of Glenn Campbell, you know, is there an artist out there that you wish that you would have gotten the chance to see but never did. 414-799-1620, that is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Um, my advice in these segments is that our phone lines tend to jam up, so call call quickly. want to try to get to as many calls as possible. In addition, um, go with your first instinct. Sometimes people tend to overthink. Okay, 414-799-1620, that's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Um, the performer that you wish you had had the chance to see in concert. We discuss next. If you're on the line, please hold on. It's 1139. This is Jeff Wagner, 620 WTMJ. It's 1147, Jeff Wagner, 620 WTMJ. Okay, a little bit of excitement. I think we've got our technical problems worked out. It's Pop Culture Corner. We're talking about bands, a performer that you wish you had had a chance to see. Uh, Brian in Waukesha. Brian, you're in 620 WTMJ. Good morning. Uh, I would have to say it was a heartbreak when Stevie Ray Vaughan died, and I never got to see him. Yeah, yep, yep, yep. Uh, a gifted performer taken way too soon. Thanks for the call, Brian. Four one four seven nine nine one six twenty. Let's talk to. Um, let's see, uh, John in Indianapolis, Indiana. John, good morning. You're on six twenty WTMJ. Yeah, good morning. The same as your last caller was Stevie Ray Vaughan. The sad part is, is I actually had a ticket to go to his last concert. And couldn't attend. Really? Oh, yeah. wow. 
<laughs> Gee, and I still that, regret it, but you yeah. know. Yeah, no, no, thanks for calling. That's, that's why, again, it's always, especially, well, Stevie Ray Vaughan, somebody you who know, dies in the helicopter crash, you know, taken way too soon. Um, it, then there's always that flip side of the older performers that you say, I've never had a chance to see this person. Do I want to see them, even though, just so I could end up seeing, I, I saying them, saw them, even though they're not in their heyday anymore? Let's see. Uh, Kevin on our text line. For me, it would be Frank Sinatra and the Rat Pack. Imagine what it would have been like in the day back at the Sands. Um, uh, let's see. Uh, Dick says, Duke Ellington, Louis Armstrong, the original Beach Boys with Carl and Dennis Wilson. Um, yeah, that's uh, that's quite the list there. Randy in um, Amberg says, Johnny Cash. Never saw Johnny Cash either. Um, yeah, let's see. Uh, Bill in Oshkosh. Bill, you're on 620 WTMJ. Good morning. Good morning, Jeff. How you doing? I am well, thank you, sir. Okay, the, the group that you would have liked to have seen or the performer you would have liked to have seen. Uh, they were in Wausau at one time, and I missed them. It's the Beach Boys. Yep, yep, yep. Yeah, and I mean, I had a chance. I've seen Kenny Rogers, Barbara Mandrell, and I don't know if you remember this group or not. Sean and I. Oh yeah, <laughs> yes. I of course I remember Sean and I. Right, absolutely. Yeah, it was a big Bowser. Right. I now thanks for the call. I pre, matter of fact, one of the first concerts I went to in when I was in college was you know they they brought in Shana Na of, of all people. Yeah, Jennifer on the South Side. Jennifer, you're on six twenty WTMJ. Good morning. Good morning, Jeff. How are you today? I am well, thank you. Okay, the performer you wish you had had a chance to see. I would have loved to have seen David Bowie. Yeah, yeah. I never saw I never saw David Bowie either, and um, I would have especially you know. De- well, pretty much at any stage of his career. But I, I mean, the yeah. Ziggy Stardust phase, and after I, I would have loved. I'm sure he put on a great show. Yeah, he had a lot of great music. Yeah, and gone way too soon. Thanks for the call, Jennifer. Jane in Waterford. Jane, you're on 620 WTMJ. Good morning. Hi, Jeff. Hi, Jane. I am going to say Harry Chapin. Um, yeah, that I um. One of the I have like satellite radio, and one of the channels is called the Bridge, and it plays it plays a lot of the it plays a lot of Harry Chapin stuff, you know, stuff from the like kind of that mellow folk rock from the '70s and early '80s and stuff. So you've got like Jim Croce, you've got Harry Chapin, a lot of that stuff. Harry Chapin, just another I I had a couple of his live I had one of his live albums. I used to play it all the time. I loved Harry Chapin. Me too. He was he's underrated as an artist. I think. Oh, absolutely, and I tell you, you know, his, uh, the, the song, um, uh, you know, Cats in the Cradle, I mean, that's still, you know, that, that still holds up at Taxi. I mean, my gosh, Taxi remains one of my favorite songs of all time. Absolutely, no, th- I like the 30,000 pounds of bananas. Right, uh, yes, yes, <laughs> um, no, thanks, that's, that's another one, it's all on that live album he plays, but yeah, Taxi, one of my favorites. Jim in Bayview, Jim, you're on 620 WTMJ, good morning. Hello there. Uh, Hi, Jim. Right away, I was thinking of Jimi Hendrix. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I never, I never even had the chance to see him. He was. There were so many great performers of that era mm-hmm. who just, you know, the the road killed them. Drugs. Killed, Jan, I put Janis Joplin and Jim Morrison in that same category. Never got sure. a chance to see the Doors. Uh, you, you wonder what what their what their lives and what their career would have been like if they if it wasn't for you know drugs killing them. And Hendrix. Oh, yeah, he was only twenty seven. Yeah, I mean, and, and arguably, you know, one of the greatest 
guitar players of of all time. Um, thanks for the call. Appreciate it. Now four one four seven nine nine one six twenty. Yeah, that's the uh, that's the thing. I would tell you. Um, you know, actually, at, at Insight this year, for some reason, we got into a related sort of subject like this. And I remember Don Smiley, CEO of Summerfest, he said, "You know what? You know what group would you imply put on this list?" And I had to think for a second. I think, you know, Leonard Skinner before the plane crash. Never got a chance to see Skinner, and I wish I would have enjoyed that. Lori in Waukesha. Lori, you're on six twenty WTMJ. Good morning. Good morning. I miss seeing Elvis. Presley in 1971 <laughs> in Minneapolis. My husband was offered free tickets to see Elvis, and he turned them down because he said that we would be w- sitting way in the top rows and you couldn't see him. <laughs> and the, next, the next year he died, yeah. and I will never let him forget that. Yeah, because we could have at least, we could have, thanks for the call, we could have been in the building before Elvis left. Yep, um, let's see, our text line is exploded. Hands down, Janice Joplin and Jim Morrison. Renee in Germantown, huh, interesting. Michael Jackson, I, you know, um, I, I, I never saw Michael Jackson either, but, uh, yeah, that would be, that would certainly be one. Um, uh, Chester Bennington of Lincoln Park. Yeah, a lot of people are saying that as well. Paul in Two Rivers. Paul, you're on 620 WTMJ. Good morning. Thank you, Jeff. Uh, Hi, Paul. Yeah, on my way back from Vietnam in 73, we missed Elvis by maybe three or four days. You know, we didn't get back in time to Pearl Harbor. Okay. He was in, he was in Honolulu for his some kind of a re. Uh, Oh right, I remember that they were putting it on on satellite and all. I remember that yeah. it was one part of his one of his big comeback things. Sure, huh? Missed it by uh, only a couple of days, but uh, probably wouldn't have got in anyway. Well, so, but uh, but it, and never got a chance to see him. No, thanks for the call. I appreciate it. Huh, so many. Derek in Germantown writes Prince. Yeah, how quickly we forget. I never got a chance to see Prince. Another one of my texts says John Denver. I never got a chance to see John Denver. Um, Colleen in Oconomowoc writes Glenn Fry and the Eagles. Um, I had a chance to see Glenn Fry, and it is kind of interesting to me that um, the Eagles, they're continuing to tour. It sort of surprises me that Don Henley, they're back out on the road, Joe Walsh and Don Henley and uh, Vince Gill and uh, Glenn Fry's son. Apparently that's the new, that's the new one of the new variations of the Eagles. kind of surprises me because Glenn Fry was, in fact, the Eagles, and, and quite a performer. Let's talk to Joe in Houstonford. Joe, you're on 620 WTMJ. Good morning. My choice is Buddy Holly. He would played in the Milwaukee at the Million Dollar Ballroom just a couple days before he was killed and out in Iowa, and some of my classmates up at Nicolet, they did go see him down there. Wow. Yeah, think about that one. <laughs> okay, you were Nicolet what year there, Joe? I graduated in '60. Okay, good enough. So you were one of the first before you before me. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks for the call. Yes, we we are we are fellow Nicolay Knights, but yes, that that was before me. You must have been one of the first uh, one of the first graduating classes. Um, All right, let me see. Let me check out the text line here. A lot of people just it's kind of interesting to I think go back and I don't take a walk down memory lane on these types of uh, situations. a lot of people just haven't had a chance. The performers aren't gone. Freddie Mercury, Queen, yeah. I never saw Queen either. That would have been quite the show as well. Okay, we've got to take. tell you what. I'm just about out of time for the program. We took the break a little bit early, but um, we're broadcasting live from the Wisconsin State Fair. 
all decked out in his Packer attire, ready to go. Oh, see that Steve Scafidi? Okay, that's 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 the Happy Schnapps combo. There Absolutely, that's the the best band ever to come out of Manitowoc, Wisconsin. I emceed one of their final concerts. I'm telling you, um, they, they do things like the Bears still suck and I've those heard kind that of songs. Song, yes. Absolutely, huge fan. See, I'm sorry, I digress. Steve Scafidi in don't, the house. Don't worry about. It. Happy to be at State Fair. Every day I've been out here. When I get out here, the sun is shining, and that's about all you can ask for a state fair day, and they've had some great weather. So we got a busy show today. There's, there's a traffic situation that we'll get into when the news starts, but uh, we're talking about crime in the first hour. There's, there's a couple lawmakers, uh, local lawmakers, one of them is Sen- Senator Alberta Darling. They're introducing or trying to introduce a bill looking at straw purchases and making our, our community safer, and they have a little bit of bipartisan. Bipartisan support, but they're actually looking for some other lawmakers to co-sponsor. It's not the first time this has come around, but I think it's long overdue. That's one of our stories. The other one is local police departments are really having an issue with property theft. It is way up, and they're they're making a plea for people to be really careful about locking the garage doors, all that stuff. There's a lot to pay attention to. So that's all going to be coming up on our show today. Also, in the 2 o'clock hour, Speaker Robin Voss talking about Foxconn, of course, and that's a big story. It has been a big story, so we'll get into that uh, on, on the Speedy and Milstead show. Did you see that Van Wangard has a, an op-ed piece out, which I thought was really interesting. It's like, all right, everybody thinks that Foxconn is going to be uh, putting unreasonable expectations. Oh, explain to me how Foxconn is going to end racial you know, inequality. Okay, it's like, well, no, it's, it's a business, you know? People get, they get so off the radar on this stuff. It's, it's a great story. It's one of the most significant economic development stories in the history of the state. You can, you can wrap all this other stuff into it, but that's political diversion. It's a great story. I think they have to focus on that part of it. I agree with you completely. All right, that's all coming up. Scafidi and Billstead live from State Fair Park. Well, we we got a little more time, I guess. That, that, uh, it sounds commercial. like they're having a party back in the yeah, studio. You, see, we're, yes, you we're, and I can talk. Right, exactly. <laughs> you know, the, the fact that I'm out at State Fair, this is my first year here. And uh, I didn't know what the experience would be like, Jeff. And we're finding out that I'm finding out that the people are absolutely fantastic. Oh yeah, they come out and say hi. We we, we chat about it, all kinds of things. They really want to talk about current events a lot. And my history, former mayor, they 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 want to ask the Oak Creek stuff, obviously. But everybody's fascinated about what's happening in Madison, what the lawmakers are trying to do. I'm still surprised. Maybe maybe you have a thought on how we don't have a budget yet. I, it seems like at some point here we've got to nail this down. Well, it, it should have been a couple months ago, and, and candidly, it's embarrassing. The reason you have budget stalemates is because you've got the governor of one party and how, the legislator of a different party or something like that. You have overwhelming control of the state assembly and the state senate by Republicans and a Republican governor. I agree with you, Steve. It is an embarrassment that they can't get this done. Yeah, I can't figure it out why this is so hard to do. And look, well, look at Matt, look at the Washington, D.C., same thing. We've got Republicans, 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 and we can't get anything done. So I guess it's a common theme. All right, Scafidi and Billstead live from the Wisconsin State Fair. That's coming up next.